Welcome to the Irishman, Englishman and Scotsman football podcast. You are listening to JP, Joe, Kev and Finno on the Irishman, Englishman and Scotsman football podcast. Uh, you're very welcome along. Tonight we have a special season review on how, um, of course, the season, season panned out. We're going to pick our team of the season, our player of the season, our manager of the season, our flop and shock of the season. But before we go ahead with all that, let's have a little fun look back at our predictions at the start of the season for the top four. Give this a listen. So my top four, I've gone for Liverpool in fourth place. <laughs> okay. Because of the fact that they yeah. haven't signed anybody. Now, this might change, yeah, yeah. so Liverpool fans don't kill me. But, I mean, I think they need a couple of players and just to freshen things up. And the fact that the second season syndrome, first time in 30 years, people will know what to expect a little bit more. Doesn't make Liverpool any worse of a team. But um, I think the lack of signings, plus the fact that they're over the hill and got that, you know, see that Premier League one. That will they put the, the foot in the pedal as much? I don't know. <laughs> My third place team will shock everyone, but I do think there's a lot of business to be done. I think Man United will spend a lot of money and they're going to finish third. And I think uh, with all the signings at Chelsea, they're really going to push Man City, who will with Koulibaly and maybe another striker will pip Chelsea to the title. That's uh, JP's predictions. Fino, who have you got? So almost the polar opposite um i've got liverpool to win the league um i think they were they were so dominant last season that even if they're not quite as dominant that they'll they'll still manage to retain the title um maybe a bit of a shock i've got chelsea coming in second um i think that they'll be able to to get get or probably the closest challenger to liverpool over the course of a season i just think that with the signings that they've made and the volume of signings they've made they're going to have that strength and and depth within the team um, Man City, as I've said previously, I think Pep's going to go for the Champions League to the detriment of the league. So I think they're going to finish third. Um, and then I've got Man United in fourth because I think Solskjaer is doing a particularly good job. You know, I think he's he's turned the tide and he's, I think he's turning the fans' opinions around do, on him. Do you think fourth is going to be enough for him or do you think he needs to show a bit more progress? Yeah, I'd say fourth in a cup would definitely put them back into into a, a positive frame of mind going into the season afterwards. Um, but yeah, I think Liverpool, Chelsea, City and United can't see Arsenal or Tottenham really challenging that well. Um, yeah, I don't know. Let's see. Interesting indeed. Uh, Kev, uh, no, no prizes? No, uh, got no idea. Not, no idea. I mean, you guys, you guys have given almost every variation there. So what's, what's <laughs> well, the You've got to this? give it a guess anyway. I've got, no, I've got no idea. The one thing I'd say about it is... And this is good, right? So I think you went through this phase of like everyone being scared of Man City, as I said, and I don't think anyone is anymore. And I think you saw most of the big teams uh, actually took points off Man City last season. I think everyone's going to beat everyone else, and I think uh, and I think it's going to be great. And right now, I just honestly couldn't tell you. Uh, Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never know. But also, we've got to take into consideration as well. We don't know how long this this thing with, with no fans will last. Yeah. And then, like, for example, if you're a, a Wolves, for example, going to Old Trafford or Anfield where it's intimidating and you might get the penalty decision, which you got a lot of last season and the season what? before, and which Man United have got for the last 20 years. <laughs> we'll go through you know, the stats if you like. Sure, no problem. <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, those those grounds that were intimidating, tough to go, um, yeah, the fans are not there. So it, it, essentially, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of a neutral ground. Whether how long that will last, who knows? I just hope it's a really wide open Premier League, yeah. and like I know Liverpool were great last season, but I just hope it's not done with so many games to spare. No, and I think that's it. And I, I, as I've said before, sat here, it wasn't that Liverpool were great last year. It's just that they managed to dig out results which no one else could. I mean, found honestly, a way to win. All yeah. those one, yeah, find a way to win. All those one goal wins or whatever. I don't think they can keep up that relentlessness, not of performance, but that relentlessness of just getting a result. I don't think there's any way anyone does that. I have a season, almost two seasons of doing that week in that. So no, I, I don't think they will. Um, I think they're going to drop a ton more points, but but everyone else is as well. And that's why I think, you know, it's all, I really do think it's impossible to predict. I think you're just plucking something out of thin air. Well, I'm pretty impressed with that. I had Man City 1, Chelsea 2, uh, Man U 3, Liverpool 4. I knew Liverpool were not going to win the league. And uh, I stand corrected. And, you know, really, lads, I should have won. I could have won a few quid off of that. Liverpool probably should have finished fourth as well. It was only, you know, 
last day stuff, really. Finnell. Yeah, I mean, I, I put Liverpool because I thought that... I did say that I didn't think they were going to be as dominant as they were last season, and that clearly proved to be true. But, you know, with Liverpool, they are... I don't want to say that the definition of a one-man team, I think that's a little harsh, but Virgil van Dijk is so, so important to that team that when he got injured that early on in the season, it was really, you know, really going to be tough for them. I think the one team that shocked me were City. I, I said that they were going to focus on the Champions League. Now, they did get to the final, but I thought that it was going to ruin their, their league form. But yeah, they managed to be the most consistent team over the 38 games and, and credit to them. And Kev uh, picked Wolves, but we all know what he really meant. <laughs> of course, that's complete bollocks. He knew <laughs> he wanted Liverpool and thought they would win the league. Yeah, disappointing, though, in the end for a lot of Liverpool fans. I'm sure a lot of them, Kev, at the start of the season would have bought Liverpool to win the league again. I suppose so. I mean, the whole point of that, right, was just to, you know, just to, just to try and say that it was anyone's season. And, and the one thing I have thought all along was that, and only because I nicked this off Klopp, but how do you prepare for a season that is completely like any, uh, unlike any other? You know, that's what he said consistently in the build-up. He had no idea what was going to happen. I plumped for a stupid team. It <laughs> looked quite stupid in my predictions, but it wasn't in, It wasn't entirely serious. It was more to say, look, it's just it's absolutely anyone's game. Joe, were you impressed? Were you impressed by our predictions? You, you missed out on that one. Yeah, so I was impressed that so JP was the only one to pick Man City. Um, I was impressed with your predictions for the top of the table, but not for the bottom of the table, considering that both Finno and JP both tipped West Ham to go down and they couldn't have been more wrong on that one. Yeah, it's even worse for Finno because he's a West Ham fan, you know? Yeah, look, I mean, West Ham absolutely shocked me, I'm not going to lie, but I also gave Aaron Cresswell a hell of a lot of stick in that preview show and look how he managed to, to repay my faith by becoming the most most assists in the Premier League by a defender this season. So clearly I should be harder on the West Ham team more often. So who were our, who were our predictions for going down? You've got to uh, pick a couple of teams to go down. I've gone for Fulham, who are going to finish bottom of the league, because, I mean, yeah, they, they haven't... They barely got into the Premier League. Bristol City really should have, should have beat them. Um, they've kept Mitrovic, from, signed for Newcastle a couple of seasons, who always a presence up front, but I just think... All around, they don't have enough strength. I think West Brom just came up. You know, again, they they barely made it too. Uh, I think they're going down. And then the team that's also gone down, I'm very sorry, Fino, I think is West Ham. Yeah, I don't blame you, to be honest. I know that sounds very classically doer Scotsman. But um, yeah, I've got West Ham going down. If they don't spend money, you know, they brought in Suchek, but that was a loan with a, a view to buy. They've not brought anybody in. We've still got the catastrophe that is Aaron Cresswell left back at the moment um, somehow keeping Masuaku out of the team um, you know we probably need cover and defence Is Cresswell that bad though? He's just I. he was so good for a time and it's as if he's resting on his laurels unfortunately I think Moyes is on a hiding to nothing I think he did very well to keep us up um, we got some great results you know against Norwich etc the only saving grace and this goes back to the whole no fans thing is we play a lot of the top six, top eight in the early part of the season. And so, fingers crossed that you can get a couple of shock results and a couple of three points where if there were fans there and we were going to, you know, a top four team, you would expect to be to be getting a hiding. Um, my second team is also is Fulham to go down. Um, I think Scott Parker did a great job, obviously being a West Ham fan. A lot of fond memories of Scott Parker. I just don't think he can keep them there. Um, you know, he's definitely the least experienced of the three managers. Um, you've got Bielsa coming in and you've got Bilic. Um, both have experience of being in the top leagues. And yeah, they're still relying on Mitrovic. I think they definitely need to bring in some some more reinforcements. I can't really think of a third. I think it's too tight to tell. You know, it could be anybody. It could even be a Crystal Palace. You know, they've brought in um, the guy from QPR. You, you just don't know. There's yeah. always that... If we were sitting here at Christmas time, we would have said Southampton were going down and then they ended up mid-table. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I always like to accentuate the positive, so I don't want to spend too long on the, on the relegation thing. So I think, I think you're probably right. I think, I think Fulham, West Brom, maybe a pretty good bet. Palace, yeah, I think, I think they've managed to sort of stay out of trouble, just about stay out of trouble the last X number of years, you know, since almost forever. And I think maybe this time, maybe it depends a little bit on Zaha and what happens there. Um, 
But I just think if I had to, yeah, if I if I had to pick one, it might be in a little bit of trouble. I think it, they might join the other two. Yeah, I've actually thought originally Sheffield United, but that could be the, the one season wonder. But Sheffield United, like Burnley, have this core of kind of, you know, British Irish players, and they really get stuck in. They're dogged, and yeah, I think they'll be okay. Uh, I think so, they'll be okay. They they look just so well coached. I thought last season, you know, it was mm-hmm. like there was a game plan every time they played, or every time I happened to see them. Anyway, I often I just see many games. I don't see them doing what they did last season. Maybe you not. know, last season they were definitely the surprise package. Um, they've brought in a few players. They brought in Jack Rodwell, which I think was an interesting signing. Um, <laughs> they brought in Aaron Ramsdale from Bournemouth, the keeper that went down with them. Um, and mm-hmm. I do think that Henderson is a massive loss. I've talked about it before. Yeah. He was phenomenal for them. Um, oh, yeah. And I feel like what they're doing now is they're starting to pad their kind of core squad out. Um, but I'm not sure if they're padding it out with the right players. I think they're padding the, the team out with a lot of players that are untested at Premier League level um, or have been out of the loop in a while uh, for a while, like Rodwell. You know, they brought in um, Wes Fodringham, who was the former Rangers goalkeeper. Um, I don't know whether or not he's Premier League quality. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you get an injury to your number one, You've then maybe got a championship goalkeeper in goals. Could be three weeks, could be eight weeks. You're you're starting to then struggle. Yeah, you mentioned um, you mentioned Southampton before as well, and and actually again, uh, Sheffield United with the surprise package last last season, maybe a little bit Wolves as well. I could see Southampton having quite a good season last mm-hmm. season. The way they turned it around uh, last season, um, they they look like a team that that the that again extremely well coached, extremely you know good game plan every time. They play. And huddle, and I, yeah. yeah, and I could see I could see them being a sort of top eight team next season. I'd, I'd like to think so. Yeah, I agree. Well, I almost had uh, really everything there. I Fulham, West Brom, and almost picked Sheffield United. That could have been a full house there. Um, you're pretty similar, Finno. Kev, you had Palace. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm still surprised they didn't, actually. I know they were never in any trouble, but I really thought they would, but uh, stayed out of trouble. I think that's the magic of Roy Hodgson in his final season. You know, I wonder what will happen next season. There's all sorts of managerial merry-go-rounds happening at the moment. And whoever Palace do get in, I think, do have an uphill struggle to keep them up because the teams that are coming up from the championship are really well drilled, really well coached. And I think Crystal Palace, yeah, could be in trouble next season. You said it in the clip, Fino, that um, so what Crystal Palace had just signed Eze at that point from QPR and we weren't sure if he was going to be a flop or not. I think we can safely say he, he, he was not a flop. He was fantastic this season and it's a great shame for him. I think he's got a very, very serious injury and he's going to miss the start of next season, which really won't help Crystal Palace at the beginning of the year, especially if they do lose Zahar as well. It could be a very, very difficult start to the campaign for them. Well, you know what they say, we had Fulham, we had West Brom. Two out of three ain't bad, you know? <laughs> and I almost had the top four, so I'm pretty chuffed with myself, I have to say. I would just like to say, um, you didn't hear my predictions, but i just say that I picked all seven of them correctly, obviously. <laughs> of course, <laughs> of, course of course. So, moving on, and it's obviously the end of the season. It's been a fantastic season. It's been a weird season. It's been a strange season. It's had everything. It's had the European Super League. It's had no fans. It's had pitch invasions at Old Trafford. And yeah, it's, it's been absolutely crazy. But we're going to pick our team of the season now. I'm going to try and agree if we can uh, on a couple of these. So we're going to start off in goals. And I've only picked one Newcastle player. And this is Martin Dubravka. He only played half a season. But I think he's one of the main reasons why Newcastle stayed up. The amount of saves he made was unbelievable. In every game he played, we were under the cosh. Absolutely fantastic, you know, Finno? Yeah, I mean, we said before we started recording that we thought that we would broadly agree and the first player we disagree on, because for me, yeah. I think Ederson is by far and away the, the team of the season goalie because, you know, he had, I think, a clean sheet every two games. And whilst he had a rock-solid defence in front of him, for me, league-winning goalies almost always get into the team of the season. I'm going to disagree uh, even more, and I haven't looked at the stats on this one at all, but... But I think the keeper who made all the difference was Mendy. And I think it was the decision to sign him as much as anything else. But I think that decision transformed Chelsea's season, you know, almost as much as the change of manager. I think I think without Mendy, they would have finished like a hell of a lot uh, further off. And so, uh, yeah, I'm going to give him I'm going to give him my vote. 
he was close to being my pick as well, but I just went for Martinez at Villa because I think he made a huge, huge difference to that team as well. And I think Arsenal should never have sold him. Like he is more than good enough to, to be Arsenal's number one. You know, in some games he was literally unbeatable. He, he was fantastic. So uh, he was my pick. So we've got four different ones. <laughs> Moving on to defenders. I've actually got three defenders. Uh, my first one, I'm sure we should all agree that he'll be in your team, and that's uh, Mr. Ruben Diaz of Manchester City, who had a fantastic season. What a difference he made. Yeah, absolutely. I think probably the I think he's won some of the Player of the Year awards already, and I think he's probably odds on to, to win the big one as well. Um, yeah, phenomenal. Man City have really been crying out for a centre-back since company left, and I think Ruben Diaz is, is one of those players that could, if they keep him could have the same sort of status as Vincent Company going forward. Agree, lads? I would definitely agree, yeah. yeah. I think, um, you know, he didn't know much about Ruben Diaz when he signed from Benfica, I think. And I think when earlier in the season, Man City, Laporte got injured, they'd signed Nathan Ake as well for like 50 million quid. And when Laporte got injured, people thought, oh, blimey, what's going to happen here? But um, Diaz and Stones formed a fantastic partnership. And I think they were kind of the backbone for that team to go on and win so many games so I've gone for Diaz and I've also gone for Stones in alongside him it, it's hard to argue against Diaz just so we don't all go for Diaz and Stones I'm going to go for Fofana as his uh, centre-back partner JP you obviously went for three at the back I went for four at the back but in terms of that centre-back partnership Ruben Diaz was yeah absolutely the first name almost on the team sheet but I couldn't pick between you know Stones even Harry Maguire James Tarkovsky um, Wesley Fofana, I went for Fofana in the end because I think he's had a really great introduction to English football and is a large part of why, you know, alongside Johnny Evans, is a large part of why Leicester were so far up the table, you know, and playing for Champions League football right until the final day. Right, we still don't have a clear answer here because I'm uh, agreeing with Joe and I've picked John Stones as well inside Ruben Diaz. I think Ruben Diaz has made John Stones a better player and he looks better, but he is he's had a great season and he's improved because of it. I think John Stones probably would have been my pick had he not had such a terrible Champions League final. And I know that this is a Premier League team this season, but he really didn't cope with the occasion well. And we talked about it in the last podcast about you know players that could really play well in that final or really not play well. And I think John Stones was one of those players where the occasion got to him. My third and final defender is Mr. Rudiger at Chelsea. I thought he really got stuck in when Tuchel came in, took over from Frank Lampard. I thought Rudiger really upped his game. Obviously, there is a German connection there, you know, the no language barrier then. And I thought he was was fantastic. So he gets in my my team of the season, Rudiger. Joe. Yeah, it's interesting. I um again, I know we shouldn't have been swayed by the Champions League, but a very notable shout for Reese James at right back, who was sensational in that game. Cool. He was good. Um I went for a four and I went actually Finno for Kufal at West Ham. I think he's been a revelation this season, hasn't he? Um the two games that Southampton played against West Ham, I was amazed at just how how solid your your defence was and he played a massive part in that. Again, can't say I knew too much about him when he came in, um, but I think he's been a fantastic sizing and probably one of the more consistent players of the whole season. A hundred percent. You know, he's a classic. He's never going to dip below a six and he's probably never going to go above a a nine. Um, For me, he's bargain of the season. My first of three West Ham players in my team this season, um, five million pounds. It shows that Premier League teams can find bargains. They don't have to overpay for talent. And I think the Czech market is probably one of those markets where teams will definitely have a keen eye on talent going forward because of the success that um, that West Ham have had with Sufal, with Suchek, um, and with the alleged links to all the other Slavia Prague players. I think he's he's been really good. And I think he might get in on, you know, like bargain of the season. And I'm going to do my first thing, which is going to, which is going to make everyone touch. But I'm going to put uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold at right back. And that is, he, despite the fact, right? So, well, this, despite the fact that, you know, he wasn't always uh, as good as he can be. I'm doing it for two reasons. Number one, the way he came back right at the end of the season showed real character. 
And I really think he's the only reason Liverpool made it into the Champions League because he was outstanding in the final handful of games. And actually, I'm not much one for statistics, but if you look at the stats in terms of chances created, I think he's something like number three, major chances created. He's number three on the list behind like Kevin De Bruyne and maybe Harry Kane, I can't remember. I think, again, once again, he's one of those players who, you know, for some reason seems to divide opinion. He always gets called out for his for his mistakes in defence, but I think he holds his own in defence and he gives the team so much going forward. Yeah, from highest number of chances, my left back is the greatest number of assists in, uh, from a defender in the Premier League and probably would be my shock of the season as well, uh, Aaron Cresswell. He's the second, you know, I don't think it can be understated how good a season that West Ham defence had going from 17th to 6th. And, you know, I slated Aaron Cresswell at the first show of the season and throughout the season, but actually he's he's turned it on and... Had Luke Shaw not had such a phenomenal season as well, I thought he was a bit of an outside shout for uh, for the England squad, but unfortunately that didn't happen. So, yeah, he's my left back and, yeah, West Ham on the wings. Uh, to Aaron Questwell, our deepest apologies from the Irishman, Englishman and Scotsman football podcast. Uh, Finno has definitely changed his tune. Congratulations to you. You've made his team in the season. Um, okay, lads. Is that every all the defence covered? Uh, Luke Shaw for me as well. Luke Shaw, good shout, Kev. Yeah, real, uh, real turnaround. I have to say. I mean, he really impressed me. His fitness levels improved, and you know, he got a lot of a uh, lot of abuse, I think, from a lot of people last season. And re- this season, he really got stuck in. And you know, offensively, he was fantastic as well. I went for Stuart Dallas at Leeds at left back. He's been a very mm-hmm. versatile player, and yeah, I think he's just been fantastic all season. I actually dithered about whether or not Sufal got my right back or whether or not Luke Ayling got it as well because I think again Leeds the way that they play they rely so heavily on their on their right back and left back and and actually given how well Leeds have performed this season I think all credit needs to go to to yeah Ayling and uh Strudels. I've gone for five in midfield they're all attack-minded players um I'm going to start with the one that everyone has to pick and that is Mr Kevin De Bruyne you know, fantastic season again. If you haven't picked him, Finno, I don't know why. <laughs> um, really, I thought he was it was outstanding. I think I think he's uh, I think he's world class and one of the best talents to grace the, the Premier League. Go on, Finno. Yeah, look, I've I've not, um, and maybe my midfield is a little bit controversial, but I wanted a team that could essentially rotate. I thought I took the the bigger picture here, and basically any of my midfielders can play defensive midfielder. They can play the eight box to box, or they can play in the ten. So. The Man City player that actually got got my vote in midfield was Gundogan because I thought he carried that team throughout that sticky November-December uh, period where he went on a massive goal-scoring run. And again, when you're a, a team that wants to win titles, you need your players to really dig in and grind out results. And I just thought that Gundogan really shone much more so. I think the the difference between his levels of performance this season compared to, to previous ones merited him being in the team of the season ahead of De Bruyne. Full marks to Gundogan. I wouldn't have him ahead of De Bruyne, but I mean, I do remember earlier on, one of the earlier podcasts of the season, uh, when we were slating Man City, because, you know, the bad start they had, and I thought, actually said that him and Kyle Walker were not Man City players, but he really turned it around, and, you know, he's one of the main reasons as well. They they went on that fantastic run. I mean, his his goal scoring from midfield was was brilliant. Joe? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I had De Bruyne as well. And I would have had Gundogan, but I just thought I need to put a Southampton player in there somewhere. Um, as we've seen, you know, you've put a Newcastle one in, Finno's put a West Ham player in. So I have put James Ward-Prowse in there. He scored some worldy free kicks again this season. And the amazing stat is he has not missed a single minute of Premier League football for two seasons. He's played in every second of every game that's, uh, for two seasons in a row. So I'm not sure that will ever be beaten to be honest he's so professional never gets injured um has got so much like energy his fitness is off the charts so i just think he's in my team of the season because we know we can count on him for every second of every game do you think that also goes against him a little bit though because he's having to play every single minute of every single game like have you ever seen his performances dip for five six games because hasn't who really relies on him where you know, a couple of games rest might actually get the best out of him in the third game, if you know what I mean. 
I don't think so. I think he's always still, you know, top of the running charts. <laughs> um, I think there are definitely some games where he hasn't made as much of an impact as, as he has in others. Um, but no, I think, you know, Southampton, we haven't played in Europe. So I think sometimes he has a full seven days to recover. It's not like he's playing, you know, Wednesday, Saturday or Thursday, Sunday, like some of the other players. So I don't think so, no. That's a good point, Joe. And uh, yeah, he is fantastic from a dead ball. I and mean, that goal he scored at St. James's Park in that crazy 3-2 game was it was a cracking free kick. Um, would you have Mr. De Bruyne, Kev, surely? Yeah, yeah, I've got both them, De Bruyne and, and Gundogan as well. I think, I think you know, the, the form they hit just when it mattered most helped destroy the challenge, basically. Everyone else fell away, to be fair, but but they did what they had to do, so I'm going for both. My second midfielder is also a Man City player, but not Gundogan. I've gone for Phil Foden. I thought he was unbelievable all season. He got a lot of stick as well. If you remember, you know, earlier on in the season when he had that incident with England, uh, when he was out in Iceland with the uh, the Icelandic girls and left the camp and that kind of stuff. But, you know, he really turned it around. I think if Raheem Sterling got injured in a game and he came on and he really kept Sterling out of the team the whole season. When Sterling came in, he just wasn't firing. Phil Foden in the Champions League that came against Dortmund, he was lethal, absolutely lethal. And, you know, I, I definitely, uh, yeah, I would have him up there. So he's, in, he's the second midfielder in my team of the season. My third is a Chelsea player. I've gone for another young English talent in Mason Mount. I thought he was a breath of fresh air as well. And, you know, one of the most kind of skillful English players in that position. You don't often see that often, you know. I mean, there's the likes of Sterling who has pace and stuff. But to, in, the, in kind of the mould of um, a Peter Beardsley, you know, where he can just turn in a sixpence and create something. Mason Mount is much more, though, as in pace and power. And, uh, yeah, I think he had a fantastic season. Yeah, I think Mason Mount did have a fantastic season. He didn't make my team of the season, but I do want to talk about Chelsea a little bit because I actually don't have any Chelsea players in my team. But for all the stick that Chelsea got year after year after year for just buying players and hoarding players and loaning 25 players out to other teams, if you look at that Chelsea team that that did win the Champions League, you have James there, you have um, Mason Mount there, both who came through the Chelsea youth system. So it does show that if you're good enough you know, the classic adage is, if you're good enough, you're old enough kind of thing to play first team football. But if you are good enough at Chelsea, you will get the opportunities. And I think more now so than ever before, we're starting to see this young, vibrant Chelsea team that can really go on and maybe do something domestically as well. It was either Mount or F- or Foden for me. And I went for Foden, although I do agree Mount had to show a lot of, you know, tremendous character this season as well. Because when Tuchel came in, he actually got dropped for the first few games, didn't he? Um, but he kind of fought his way back in there and finished the season really strong. But um, I think Foden is one of the best talents in the league. I really enjoyed watching him play. He just kind of almost kind of dances across the field, doesn't he? Um, he's added goals to his game this season. He scored some really, really important games. He's f- full of confidence. Um, and I just felt like I couldn't leave him out. Yeah, and, and Joe couldn't agree more. I think uh, Foden was was... If Mount was a breath, breath of fresh air, which, which he probably was, I, I just think Foden is absolute class. I think we might talk in a, you know, Mount, Mount could do amazing things as well, but I think Foden is, 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 is just an extraordinary player and a, and a delight to watch. I think, and again, I didn't pick Phil Foden, but I think if I was to pick him in my team, I would want him slightly further forward than the midfield that I've played. So, you know, I played a 4-3-3 um, and a player... Both of the players that I've picked, aside from Gundogan, haven't been mentioned yet. And um, my second pick for for midfield was Bruno Fernandes. And I know that there's a lot of stick labelled against him for being a penalty merchant, but the number of goals and assists that he's had from midfield, um, he's really been the catalyst for that revitalised United side. And we're not really that far away from calling United genuine title contenders, I don't think, you know. If they were to manage to get Harry Kane, for example, I think people would be looking at them as a really strong title contender. I have to agree, Fino. Um, Bruno Fernandes is my third midfielder. My fourth, sorry, I've actually got five. Bruno Fernandes was a real addition to that Man United squad, you know, and like you said, he adds goals, he adds assists, that that X factor that makes them tick. And uh, yeah, they weren't that far away. 
they really weren't, you know. I mean, Man City had lost a few games, you never know. They, they were very consistent throughout the season. Okay, they lost the Europa League final, but uh, I'm sure they'll invest again in the summer and, and Bruno Fernandes will be at the forefront of, of Man U's title challenge next season. My fifth and final midfielder, I couldn't uh, do this team this season without having a Leeds United player because they were fantastic. And I've gone for Rafinha, uh, who I thought was brilliant. You know, so exciting to watch Leeds play on the counter, pace and power, you know, in your face. Big rumours, Kev, of um, him being linked with Liverpool. Leeds fans won't like to hear that, but uh, he's been a brilliant signing. Would you take him? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, there was so much to admire about that lead side, weren't that wasn't there? And uh, I think that's a fair nod. I, I don't have I don't have him or or actually any other Leeds players in my side. But thinking about it now, I think I think that is a nice shout. Uh, at least at least they should be should be recognised, you know, for having um, you know just just for having mixed it up so much. But I guess we're going to talk about them a, a bit later in the uh, surprises of the season. Moving on to the strikers, I think we all have this man in. It could be the £150 million man, Harry Kane. Finno? I've got Harry Kane in 23 goals, 14 assists. There's not much else to say. I mean, that's ludicrous. Everyone agree? I went for Kane as well, absolutely. And actually, um, I was really torn to just behind him. I had either Son or Salah. And I know people say Mohamed Salah's had an awful season, but he only finished a couple of goals off you know, the top scorer. And I think in a team that wasn't playing particularly well. He was always reliable. He scored some very important goals. Um, so he made my team as well. I'll agree, Joe. I've also picked uh, Mohamed Salah. I thought, you know, Liverpool, from winning the league last season, they were named, branded the worst champions ever halfway through the season or coming up to it. You know, I thought they were really poor. And that forward line that, that cost so much money, you know, Firmino, Mane, Mane Salah, Diego Schotter came in, Alicantra came in, you know, from Bayern Munich, the, the champions of Europe. They all misfired. But all the way through the season, good old Mohamed Salah was banging in the goals and, you know, banging in the goals that, that got them just about in the end into that final Champions League place. Kev? Yeah, fair enough, I suppose. They did cost a lot of money, but, you know, between altogether, they wouldn't, they, that wouldn't add up to one Harry Kane. Um, in terms of what he's going to Have go I touched for. the nerve, mate? Have I touched the nerve? <laughs> no, it's just a recurring theme with you. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm going for Salah as well. You know, kept kept just about kept them hanging on in there thanks to his um, absolute skill, absolute tenacity, you know, inability to win penalties with the same regularity as Kane uh, does because he's not English. So I think I, I think Kane and Salah would actually be the perfect strike force. Um, so, so in agreement with just about everyone there, and I'm just going to dive straight in there and say uh, say Son, just playing just just off them uh, as, as my three. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing is, Joe, you had to pick, is that right? You had to pick between Salah and Son. Well, you know, Kevin, I just picked both of them um, to go <laughs> alongside Harry Kane. I looked, at, I looked at the goals and the assists before I did my team of the season. So Salah, Kane and Son combined for 72 goals and 29 assists this season in teams that had poor seasons. I think we can both say that Liverpool were disappointed with their performance and Tottenham were abject in parts. I would love to see Kane and Son in a team that were, you know, a Man City, a Man United or whatever, to really see how well they would how well they would do. But I also wonder whether or not there is a ceiling for them. Would they actually get that many more goals or that many more assists in a City or a or a United? Um and obviously Kane's the one that will be going potentially to uh, to another club this summer. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. Well, that wraps up our team of the season. Uh, moving on to our player of the season. Now, this this could go to a variety of players because it wasn't a, a one-track season where one club were amazing and won everything, you know. The honours were, were slightly divided out. Um, I've gone for a pretty obvious one and a man I put in my team of the season and I always harp on about him. I say, like, how can you, you know, even have someone like, Jordan Henderson in the same conversation as, as Kevin De Bruyne and he's my player of the season. Interesting. I think that's that is definitely a fair shout. Although he he was he was injured for quite a few parts of the season, wasn't he? Um so I went for I know all of the pundits seems to have gone for Ruben Diaz, which I think is completely fair enough. But I'm gonna mix it up a bit and go for Harry Kane. And I just think that sometimes he doesn't get the credit he deserves because he sets such high standards. It's almost become the norm that he scores 25 to 30 goals a season. 
And the fact that he did that this season and also got a ton more assists than he has done in the past as well, I think it was an extraordinary season. Um, so I've went for Harry Kane. I'm going to be really boring and follow the pundits and take Ruben Diaz. I think he's been unbelievably good. And I think going forward, it will be really interesting to see how he does in the summer because I've obviously picked two Portuguese players in my team this season, Ruben Diaz and Bruno Fernandes. Portugal can now play in a couple of different ways going into the Euros. And I think that's that's down to players like Ruben Diaz who are more than comfortable playing with the ball at their feet and, and having the possession. But when their backs are up against the wall, he can really defend. And yeah, I thought I was really impressed. And yes, he had a big price tag but he came in and absolutely merited that big price tag. It depends what player of the season means. Most influential player of the season, Ruben Diaz. My favourite player, Phil Foden. So, either one of those. Pick one, please, Kev. <laughs> Phil Foden. You can't do what you did last season and pick him all. When you, we know you meant Liverpool to win it. It's Phil Foden, oh, good shout, good shout. Yeah, he had a great season. Uh, okay, moving on to our manager of the season. Now, I was nailed on for Marcelo Bielsa because of how Leeds came up to the Premier League and did what not many teams do. Didn't sit back, went out, attacked, attacked, attacked every single week in, week out, a breath of fresh air. Can't speak a word of English, you know, for these uh, post-match interviews, had his commentator doing it, but really, you know, they played so well. And, and most most of the team were not really household names. They are now, you know, after Mar- Marcelo Bielsa. But I've actually given it to Thomas Tuchel because of what he's done. Since he came in, Frank Lampard had that Chelsea team that were a shambles. Uh, you know, a lot of big money signings and um, they weren't going to make the Champions League. And it, it, you know, for a lot of teams, if you had Chelsea coming up, I'd actually look Newcastle looking at them and think, right, we have a chance of getting something here. Chelsea are terrible. But he got them to the FA Cup final, almost won it, you know, almost beat Leicester, really, the, the, the late goal at the end. Uh, stopped them, won the Champions League, won the Champions League with Chelsea and finished in the top four. And I thought, you know, that was was brilliant in such a short, short space of time to work with players, to get them, you know, that togetherness after that they've lost a friend and a manager in Frank Lampard and done a, done a super job. So my manager of the season is, uh, is Thomas Tuchel. I'm going to go, unsurprisingly, David Moyes. He has to be in the conversation. <laughs> West Ham were nowhere. And for David Moyes, as somebody who did well with Everton, did well with Everton, and then was thrust into a Manchester United team that he got it on a technicality. And then he his stock was never lower. He then went to West Ham the first time and was essentially sacked after 18 months to come back again and manage West Ham, get them out of the hole. They finished 16, 17th, whatever it was. And then the season that he's had to get them, you know, we were genuinely talking about Champions League football until a few weeks ago. For a, a manager that has imparted so much of an impact, I don't think you can give it to anybody else. I think you've got to take off those uh, tinted glasses there, Finn. I mean, like, <laughs> if he, I'm sure the lads will agree. If you had to finish in the top four, I would definitely give you a shout. I mean, Brendan Rodgers probably for me is just a bit above uh, Moyes because of the fact that he won the FA Cup for the first time in Leicester's history. And they were in the Champions League again. The spots up until the end, once again, they bottled it. But um, no, I think there's a few more managers ahead of ahead of Moyes. You say that, but if Tuchel had lost on Saturday, 100% wouldn't have been your manager this season. No, I said it before. <laughs> I would have given it to Bielsa. I would have given it to Bielsa because of how Leeds played. Bielsa had a better Leeds team last season than West Ham were. They played better football. They were more dominant in the Championship than West Ham were. The difference of West Ham, the transformation of West Ham, has been far greater than any other team, dare I say it, in Premier League history. Would you also say, Fino, that West Ham bottled that Champions League place? Potentially. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I just got to say that you said the biggest transformation in Premier League history. Leicester went from finishing 17th to winning the league. So uh, I think they've probably got got that one (laughs) firmly in the locker. Um, Good point. All great. Yeah. All great shouts. I think Moyes had almost become a bit of a joke kind of figure, really, hadn't he? So I think he's done fantastically and has reminded everyone that he is a very, very, very good manager. I really like the shout for Bielsa as well. You should remember that some of those league players, some of those Leeds players were in that team in League One, and he's managed to coach them to be really, really strong and 
solid Premier League players. But I'm going to go for Guardiola. I know it's the boring shout, um, but I just think Man City, again, the run that they went on was extraordinary. Um, during the first few games of the season, they did lose a few games and they found themselves quite a few points behind. They could have panicked, but they didn't. And um, I, I've just really enjoyed watching Man City again this season. Yeah, uh, I, I was I was going to go Guardiola as well, right up until Joe said it, because I but because I, I thought no one else was going to. Um, I think I think he deserves it. I, I think they're incredible. But just because you've said that, uh, I'm going to go for Brendan Rodgers then, bringing home a, a, a major trophy, generally doing it without spending a fortune, and what a pleasure to watch they were uh, through most of the season. So so uh, you know a very likable manager of a very likable team. There we go. Now, our flop of the season. Plenty of contenders. I went for a guy that came in with a massive reputation that was going to turn Tottenham Hotspur into Premier League title contenders in Gareth Bale. You know, he had a poor few years at Real Madrid, but when he came back, Man United fans were, you know, on the, the edge of their seats thinking he was going to go to Old Trafford, went to Spurs, and I thought he really you know, underperformed. He scored a couple of goals at the end of the season, but I think from, from his standards and what you would expect with Gareth Bale, I expected him to, to do a lot more than he did. From, you know, one of the most uh, respected and, and and highly paid players in the world, I'm, I'm going to be perhaps a little bit cruel because I don't think it's his fault or anything like that, but I think you have to go, you have to give uh, Rian Brewster a shout. Um, very unfortunate, but what was it, 20-odd million pounds? And didn't score a single goal for a team, you know, that were relegated and basically looked relegated from about halfway through the season. So I feel really sorry for him, but it was what wasn't a good season. Just touching on Rian Brewster there, Kev, before we push on, I was actually having a conversation with a football football fan today about Brewster. You know, would Newcastle be interested in him? And I said, no, because you know, Sheffield United, I think, made a mistake in buying potential. He never really was a player at Liverpool. He was potential, and that was it. And it reminds me of, um, I think it was uh, Blackburn signed the player, maybe from Southampton, way back, who came with a, you know, I can't think of his name, but with a big tag, and he never even scored a goal, I don't think, for Blackburn. But around the time when Blackburn were champions. But the name will come to me. But it was a similar kind of situation with Rian Brewster. Um, I, I do hope he turns it around, and maybe a few seasons in the lower leagues and the championship will uh, will help him. Who have you got, Joe? Uh, firstly, I'm not having Gareth Bale at all. I thought he had a fairly decent season. I think he scored 11 Premier League goals, maybe 14 to 16 goals in total. Considering most of them came off the bench, <laughs> I thought he actually had a fairly decent season. Um, I've gone for the obvious, T uh, Timo Werner. Um, he, while, yes, he's been hardworking and he scares defenders, the amount of chances that he's missed, and he's missed some absolute shockers. He's missed some open goals. He's missed from two yards. He's missed from five yards. Um, and I've, it's, just, it's just been disappointing. I think he will still come good. Wouldn't surprise me if he goes and scores 25 goals next season. Um, but I think you have to say he has been disappointing. Sorry, I'm not having that at all. I can't have that, Joe. Timo Werner might not have scored the goals. He banged in loads of goals in Germany, but his work rate off the ball is unbelievable. And the amount of chances, you know, he, he creates. And sometimes strikers have those kind of seasons, you know. Um, I think the worrying part, if you were a striker, and the chances weren't coming to you. You were not getting in the in the right positions. And I've no doubt the next season he'll bang them in. But if you look at you know the stats, assists, and, and really forward running and the amount of of, of uh, attacks that Chelsea are created, a lot of them basically stems from him and his forward running. Finno. I think my flop of the season. It doesn't matter which stat you take, whether it's goals, whether it's minutes, whether it's assists or whatever. And it's one that both you, JP, and myself called out as a potential signing of the season. It has to be Willian. <laughs> you know, he came with such a... He played so well at Chelsea. I really liked him as a Chelsea player. And I think in that preview podcast, I talk about how he could be, you know, a real big success for Arsenal. But he looked every bit the 32, 33-year-old winger that he is. And it's kind of indicative of Arsenal that they signed him to a three-year deal. And now, one year later, they're shipping him off to Brazil or, or America. So... I just can't see past Willian for, for flop of the season. I think he had a brilliant first game. Maybe it was West Brom or something where he, he created a couple of goals and hit the bar with a free kick. And after that, it was all downhill for poor old Willian. We're now down to our shock of the season. A team or player that, that shocked you. I mean, if we can go to a situation, the most shocking thing that happened this season was indeed 
the European Super League. You know, for me, though, for no, um, the shock for me would be West Ham. They're my shock of the season because, you know, we both of us picked them to go down. They almost made the Champions League. Um, you know, that they, they really you know, lit up along with Leicester, kind of made the Premier League a lot more exciting than the same old usual top six, you know. So they were a breath of fresh air all season. I do think they bought the top four. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there was a close. Spurs were second for being shockingly so bad all season. You know, the, the squad that they had and going out of the Europa League to uh, Dinamo Zagreb. But I'm going to give my shock of the season is is West Ham. Yeah, look, I think West Ham is a great shout, but I'm going to try and stay off the West Ham train for at least one of these. Um, I think when I'm thinking of shock of the season, I'm going, what did I not see at all? And to be fair to JP, you nearly called it with, with this, but Sheffield United, I did not see them capitulating in the way that they did. And, you know, I talked about Willian as flop of the season. Easily that could be Chris Wilder as well, because he just didn't, whether it's the infrastructure in place at Sheffield United that they weren't there for you know building on the successes that they had but I was really surprised that that team just capitulated and and yeah we ended up with with them I think being one of the earliest teams to be relegated ever so yeah Sheffield United are, are my uh, shock of the season. Just staying with Sheffield United for a second uh, Finno do you think it was a case of they came up last season, or two seasons ago, came up and uh, surprised the whole Premier League. You know, with, with kind of working class players. This season, there was an expectancy. They signed a big star name, you know, Liverpool, you know, kid and Rian Brewster. But, but maybe it was a case, do you think it was a case of, look, you know, that surprise element is gone now. And that new energy, that new, new feel, that brand new, just out of the box, you know, feeling was gone. And the players were just were just kind of content and didn't give it the same effort. I know that we've talked about Brewster already, but I actually don't think that he had, rightly or wrongly, he didn't have any impact on that Sheffield United team. But who did have an impact was the loss of Henderson. You know, we saw how well he played at Man United this season and he made it a proper goalkeeping battle. And I think I can speak to this quite well because the person that they brought in was a former Rangers goalkeeper and... He is a good goalkeeper, a solid goalkeeper. He's not a Premier League goalkeeper. And he came in, they promoted from within, and they just, they didn't back up what they had done last season. And it's always, I suppose it's the the perils of the loan system. You know, they are, and I think we talked about it with Fulham as well. They had so many loan players that, you know, next season it might be very difficult for them to come straight back up. And I think Sheffield United are... They had one great goalkeeper that kept them in games, and I think he moved on, and they just didn't replace him with with enough quality. My shocks both involve Southampton. First one was being top of the league after eight games, um, <laughs> which I know I celebrated quite hard. But I think if you can't celebrate your team being top of the league, then what's the point in being a football fan? Um, <laughs> and the other one was after losing nine nil last season. I did not expect to lose 9-0 again the season following. Um, <laughs> so to lose 9-0 again um, and get a player sent off after 30 seconds was a massive shock. Um, and so hoping that we don't lose 9-0 again next season to make it three in a row. <laughs> yeah. Um, my shock hasn't actually been confirmed yet, but like just as, we, just as we're recording this, it's been reported that Carlo Ancelotti is going to be unveiled as the new Real Madrid coach. Um, if, that, if that's the case, which looks increasingly like it is, Oh my God, I, I can't believe that. Um, he, I think he won the European Cup, didn't he, at Real Madrid, and then got like, went and then went out the back door. I'm astonished that they've gone back in for him, and particularly after what, in the end, was an extremely disappointing campaign uh, uh, for Everton. I really don't understand it when the world is is moving towards going to these, you know, sorry to use the words again, but these technocratic, very professional. Um, German school um, coaches. Um, I'm pretty surprised uh, that Real Madrid are going back there. So absolutely gobsmacked on that one right at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, Everton, you know, they brought in Hamas Rodriguez, didn't really set the, the world alight. But uh, I remember saying to someone at the start of the season, because Everton were flying at the start of the season. You know, I think they won the first three or four games. And I was kind of thinking, I said to somebody, you know, what is Angelotti doing at Everton? How did he end up at Everton? How did they get him, you know? Uh, but he knows Madrid. He knows the players. Uh, just from Everton's point of view, 
you know, you've got this big name manager. Now, where do they go? The rumors are that Nuno from Wolves is the the person that they want. But going from a, I know, okay, this is a Premier League podcast. But if I'm Isco, I'm very happy at this news um, because there was obviously rumors about him moving to Everton in the January. But he no longer needs to do that because he's getting his coach back. And on the flip side, if I'm James Rodriguez, I've traipsed all the way to <laughs> Liverpool to play for this coach, and now I'm going to be playing for somebody else. But I do think that Nuno would probably be a, a pretty good replacement for for Ancelotti. He's obviously not got the same CV, but he plays in a relatively similar way. Not too defensive, but relatively pragmatic, but still with some flair. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a very interesting summer because the Everton managerial race has started and there's there's definitely a few more to come. Has there been any clear reason from the Nuno camp why he left? I've heard that, you know, he wanted to spend time with his family. You know, surely he wouldn't come back to a Premier League club, a different club straight away. I mean, who knows? I, I, I can't say that I have looked into it in too much depth. Um, I think, you know, Wolves really disappointed this season. And I think probably when you've had such great success at a team, there maybe is an element of kind of jumping before you're pushed kind of thing. And um, yes, maybe the COVID pandemic has had an issue, but not to to degrade Wolves too much, but Everton's a different job to, to Wolves. It's a different tier of Premier League club, in my opinion. Um, and the, the players that he would be working with, I think are potentially a step up in some regards than the Wolves players. I think Everton need to, uh, you know, hold off on the Continentals and and give big Duncan Ferguson a chance. (laughs) Uh, Okay, folks, this has been our season review. Finno, thank you very much. Cheers, guys. Thanks very much for the last few months of, yeah, just chatting about the football. Joe, from the highs of the top of the league with Southampton to the lows of almost relegation, relegation, thank you. Thanks, JP. Already looking forward to giving my predictions for next season. Kev, uh, surely you're going to pick Liverpool to win the league next season. <laughs> no, next week, uh, next year, Brentford. Brentford all the way. And we look forward to more brilliant poems, Kev, uh, next season. This has been our season review. This is the Irishman, Englishman and Scotsman football podcast. Uh, the season is over, but we are not. Keep an eye on our YouTube channel. We have some fantastic interviews coming up. There's one available now from ex-Newcastle legend Lee Clark who talks all things about the uh, Premier League race in 96, Newcastle selling Andy Cole, and what it's like to coach a football team in Sudan. Thanks a lot, folks. See you soon.